If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Barbara Fonti. Barbara is a successful entrepreneur and the chief business coach at Big Dream Executive Coaching, where she works with entrepreneurs and business leaders to help them achieve astonishing results. Barbara is an expert in the field of positive intelligence, the X factor for peak performance, which we'll learn about today. And I'm so excited because this is actually my first time hearing about it. She is certified in leadership coaching from Harvard University and is a certified professional life coach. Barbara is based in New York, but has a global client base. In the past, Barbara has held management positions at several Fortune 100 companies where she won awards for management excellence, customer service, and training, including the prestigious President's Club and Chairman's Council Quality Awards. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, Carissa. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you for your flexibility too. I really appreciate it. And I met Barbara uh, in a room on Clubhouse and it was a small room. There was a <laughs> maybe what <laughs> other person? Small rooms. Yeah, it was. And it was just really nice. And Barbara just really touched me about her method and the way she coaches people and how she connects with them. And I just felt inspired to reach out to her to interview her. So tell me a little bit about yourself and what were you like as a child? Hmm. Uh, well, I guess you would call me a recovering introvert. Okay. Um, I was very, very shy. And um, I found for me to be safe in my environment, it was better for me to be invisible. Hmm. So I was, uh, you know, I remember when I one time went as a kindergartner, I was very, very young and I had to go into school late. I forget why. But um, in those days, they just sent you to your classroom. It wasn't like, you know, you had to go through these security uh, protocols like they have today. And I remember standing outside of that kindergarten room and they had the little glass window you could peek through. And I looked at the children and I was terrified to walk into the room because I thought if I walk in, people are going to look at me. And to me, that was a huge fear. So mm. I stood out there. I don't know. It felt like forever, but it was probably not that long, but it was until the, the kids had to go to lunch or some other um, uh, special um, program at you know, the library or gym or something like that. Um, so that was really what I was like. And um, uh, I've made 180 degree progress in it, but it, it took work and it took identifying the things that I was really most fearful and whether or not they were based in fact or just a narrative I created for myself. Hmm, interesting. And why do you think you were like that? Initially, I know a lot of kids are in kindergarten because it's a new school, a new place. Was there something else going on in your life that made you more fearful? Well, I mean, I think a lot had to do with what was happening in my house. 
mm-hmm. my household and um, there was a lot of drama. I, being a typical middle child, uh, I became the peacemaker and mm. saw myself in my role as uh, the person who was there to cajole everybody else mm-hmm. and to help them become stronger. I didn't feel that there was room there for me, um, for my needs, mm-hmm. uh, for my desires, for my fears or anything. So I learned to keep that to myself. So I think that's the first way that I sort of became invisible. Mm. You know? Um, I couldn't, I, I, I was not very good at advocating for myself. I was not very good at asking for help. Um, which is really like, I kind of smile when I think about it now, because I ended up making a very lucrative career in sales of all mm. things, which is, like, isn't that incredible. <laughs> it's, I still pinch myself. Like, how did that happen? Um, yeah. So tell me about that. What has been your journey? Like what, what made you want to start? Maybe, maybe it was like you, something inside you knew that you had something to share and it was like getting the courage was that sales job. What do, what do you think was yeah. your journey? Well, yeah, I, w- I mean, I went into um, corporate America and um, I was in training and education as a director of training and education um, for a large company, large financial services company. Um, but I had two little daughters at the time. And I, you know, when people say, oh, I knew what I wanted to be when I grow up, you know, when I was very young, well, I didn't know. The only thing I did know, and I think this was, again, based on the drama that I had in my house, I wanted to create a safe, loving home. I always knew I wanted to be a mother. I knew that. I knew that that was the only thing I knew. So I had these two little girls and I had this great career um, and they were at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that I did not want other people raising them. I didn't want nannies raising them. And I was using nannies at the time because I had no choice and it was eating away at me. So I think I had a strong why. Mm-hmm. I made the leap from corporate America into sales because I saw that as something that would give me flexibility. So I mm-hmm. could be at the soccer game. So I could mm-hmm. be like, you know, a class mom once in a while and, and really participate more with them. Um, and what and age I, were they when you transitioned? They were uh, in elementary school. Oh, um, wonderful. Yeah, they were young. I'd say maybe five and six at the time. And so I said, I didn't know what the future held. Everybody told me I would starve. They said, you're not a salesperson. And, <sighs> and I believed them to also, but I also believed that I could learn things. And I saw it as an opportunity for growth, even though it scared me a little bit. Um, I don't know if I would have done it if I didn't have those two girls as my why. Mm, that beautiful. was it. That was the only thing that I knew it, it, tapped into my core values uh, and who I was authentically, which was very hard for me to identify, you know, but, um, but that was the one thing that I did know. So I made the leap and it turns out, guess what? Hmm. Um, if you are a person that takes care of other people, if you are a person that is empathetic, <laughs> that cares for others, if you're a person that uh, has integrity, that follows through on what you say then you're going to be great at sales. Mm. <laughs> you know, I had this, I had this stereotypical view of it, which was not accurate. You know, it was the kind of, you know, I think we all sort of think about this desperate salesperson that's really pushy and, mm. uh, 
you know, and just uh, almost slightly pathetic if you looked at how it's portrayed in the media. That's, that's true. And you and you kind of turn it off too. If salespeople come to the door, you have yeah. have sometimes or somebody calls that you don't know. Oh, it's a salesperson. Yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. And, and you know, some of those people exist, but mm-hmm. the good news is that's the minority of people that mm-hmm. um, are successful business owners because business people, if you're in business, you're in the business of sales um, yeah. and just sales professionals. And, and if you work from a place of giving and serving, you don't even have to work as hard as those other people <laughs> because mm, that's you'll beautiful. have loyal customers and you'll have referrals. And, and I, I feel very blessed that I, I, I did, uh, grow a, a sizable, what they call book of business with clients. And I think it was those caring factors in my personality that propelled me. That's so wonderful. And I love that your children were your inspiration. And and now are you helping others? Are you helping your clients with oh, yes. sales? And, and how are you helping your clients now? Well, People come to me for all types of reasons, but it always boils down to wanting to live their life with less stress and more freedom, whether that freedom is financial freedom or um, freedom from beating themselves up. That's that's something I see often Um, or just the freedom to do the things that they want to do to be able to find the time to live a full life and not feel trapped. Um, so I work with people on tactics and strategies, but as you know, Carissa, at the heart of this and what is really the foundation is what's going on in our brains mm-hmm. and what are the things that are sabotaging our success and our thinking and our well-being. So we do spend a lot of time in those areas in the beginning and throughout um, the process, you know, with sales, I am, um, I am launching a, uh, a six week, I call it easy sales for people who have businesses. It's geared for solopreneurs or people with just a few employees. It's for that small business owner to, um, help them embrace the whole sales process, learn about it, learn how to position their product or service, understand why people buy um, and everything from getting referrals and customer loyalties to having the courage to ask for the business, which is a Mm -hmm. big thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know one thing that I'm not as good at, which is so important in sales is the follow-up. And Mm. I really think it's everything because now that I'm talking to you, I'm realizing that's the relationship building. That's the trust that can develop and everything. So, and, and even when I lose uh, a client, I'm not following up with them again, you know, and saying, well, could you use my services again? You know, because I think you never know, they could need your help in the future. And absolutely. And they may know someone. Mm-hmm. who can um, use your help in the future. Yeah, sometimes a no is not a no. It's just a not now. Mm-hmm. But that fear of getting a no does hold people back. Um, and yeah, right. I can appreciate what you're saying with follow-up. I was just talking with another sales trainer and he said he's seeing that more and more. That's the thing that's holding back people reaching their potential is that there's no mechanism in place for the follow-up. Mm-hmm. which can be, by the way, the good news is Carissa, you can rectify that pretty quickly and, and pretty yeah. easily. 
Yeah. 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 That's right. That's true. So I want to talk about your area of expertise, positive intelligence. What is positive intelligence and why is this important? So I stumbled upon this, this methodology called positive intelligence a few years ago. And I'm so excited. I love it. It's changed my life and it's changed the lives of my clients for the better. Basically a methodology that we can all incorporate our, in our lives to not only achieve our goals, but to live happier. Because we all know that there are these people that, you know, we may see on a magazine cover or they're an icon for what would be considered success, but they might be tormented inside. So, you know, what's the point of reaching your goals if you're not happy or you're full of stress or fear and so forth. So it it brings together a combination of it. And and the backstory on positive intelligence is it is the synthesis of decades of research of over a half a million people from around the world, all shapes and sizes, including top CEOs and world-class athletes and Ivy League grad students and successful sales teams and productive tech teams and And again, just people from all shapes and sizes. And so what the researchers did was they looked at, you know, how come there are some people who reach their potential and some that don't? Mm. And how come there are some people that live with more ease and flow and from a happier place that they show up in their lives and others, which unfortunately is the majority, that we show up motivated by negative emotion? And what can we learn from those people that reach their potential and do so from a happy place? And a lot of the research was synthesized by a gentleman by the name of Shirzad Shamin, and he is the best-selling author of the book aptly named Positive Intelligence. I read his book and I said, aha, I had so many ahas um, and I brought it into my coaching practice. So right away, clients get those ahas immediately. And so what Shirzad found is that we actually have three core muscles in our brains that we can strengthen so that we can show up in our lives better and so that we can be motivated in our day-to-day by positive factors rather than the negative ones like fear and stress and shame and anxiety, et cetera, because most people tend to be motivated by those negative factors. And unfortunately, it takes a lot more energy to live that type of a life and it does hold us back. Mm -hmm. So we help people identify those three core muscles and strengthen them. And I'm part of a global group of coaches who are the pioneers in this field. Um, And so we teach people what we call mental fitness, which is exercising those three core muscles to live better and ultimately improve the quality of their lives. That's interesting. And could you explain the difference between positive intelligence and emotional intelligence? Because that was a rage a few years ago as well. It was. So yeah. So this is um, this is more of a streamlined thought toward it. Um, emotional intelligence, there's a lot, there's like 18 different factors, 18 or 19 factors. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas positive intelligence is a little more streamlined. I see. Um, and positive intelligence is it's a combination of performance science. Mm-hmm neuroscience, um, positive psychology and, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. But you know, that's a whole lot of words and things. It's impressive. You know, it, is, well, it didn't just, it wasn't just, you know, pulled out of thin yeah, air. Exactly. So, um, 
Let's change emotional to positive. And here you go. And and we focus a lot on identifying the things that are sabotaging us Mm. because, and some of them we may be aware of, but many of them, as you know, like it's in that subconscious space that we don't realize because life is busy. And, um, you know, the research, depending on which, you know, which research you're reading, but it says in a given day, a human being has between 10,000 and like 60 or 70,000 thoughts in one day. Wow. That's amazing. Well, what does it mean to be mentally fit to you? So um, it means that you can weather any challenge that comes. It means that you can find a gift or an opportunity in any seemingly bad challenge that comes. And so you think about it this way. We talk a lot about physically fit in the world, right? But we want to look, we want to balance that out with mentally fit because if we if we look at physically fit, let's just use that as an example. If you were not physically fit and you had to climb up a mountain or a big hill, steep hill, you're going to feel some stress in your body. Maybe you would breathe heavily. Um, you know, some people might feel it in their joints, but if you're not physically fit and you've got to climb up a steep hill, you're going to feel that physical stress. Well, if you're not mentally fit, in order to deal with those hills that we have to climb mentally, in other words, those challenges, those surprises that come, those stumbling blocks, if we're not mentally fit, we are going to feel the stress of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's it in like a, in a high level, but I think it makes sense if we look at what those core muscles are. And the first thing that we spend a lot of time, and I think this is really impactful is identifying our saboteurs because the one muscle that we want to use in our brain is what we call our saboteur interceptor. And that's our ability to recognize those internal voices and those patterns of thinking that may have served us in the past, but they're not serving us now. And they're actually sabotaging our success and our well-being. Let so me what give are some example. common ones? So what yeah. are some common ones? So um, the most common one, the one we, we all have this one, the master saboteur, the strongest is our internal judge. Mm. We all have it. Um, even the happiest of people on earth have an internal judge. It's just part of our physiology as human beings. The question is, they how just loud mask is that? it well, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And how loud and how strong is that judge? And that judge shows up in us in three ways. So Krista, let, tell me if any of these resonate with you. Okay. So that judge in that internal judge that we have, we can use it to judge ourselves. We can use it to judge other people. And we use it to judge our circumstances. So we judge ourselves, whether we're conscious of it or not, you know, often, unfortunately, people beat themselves up, they might think they're too tall or too short or too small or too big or not smart enough, or I'm not a great writer, I can't do this, you know, um, and so it just kind of questions and and, um, wrecks with us and holds us back. Um, We judge people very quickly, sometimes too quickly, or uh, just based on our experiences. So we have clouded judgment and we judge our circumstances. Things happen and automatically we want to assign a label to it. Oh, this is good. Or this is bad. Mm, that's right. Um, right. When you, we may not know if something is good or bad until years from now, you know, it comes from our primitive brain. As I know, you know, that we humans are wired to look for danger right? It, it existed thousands of years ago when we would roam the earth with tigers and things that could come out of the wild and kill us. So we had to make a quick judgment about those things and judge on, on safety and in the negative. Um, we don't have those same predators. We have maybe other predators, but we don't have those same predators, but we tend to make judgments. And the problem with our judgments is and it's all about our perception. It's not accurate. 
Mm. It's not accurate because it's based on our fears. It's based on our prejudices and it's based on our expectations um, and maybe some history in the past. So the judge, can you identify with any of those things? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) And a lot of times I'm not even aware of it. You know, I'm just subconsciously judging my circumstances and, and not even realizing it. So how can we rid ourselves of the, the common saboteurs that affect us? That's a great question. The first thing we do to strengthen that interceptor muscle is to look for the judge or for any of our saboteurs. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll give you some ideas and some others to look for as well. But so I, I always tell people first, I want you to be a detective. I want you to start listening and looking for that. Start with the judge. And, um, and become aware of it. And when you notice it, label it. Um, I, I know that I know someone who labels his judge Darth Vader. I know someone else that a, a woman who labels her judge her, her mean, mean girl, inner mean girl. So she goes, oh, there's that inner mean girl again, you know, because it, and the power of recognizing it and labeling it is that it starts to lose its power. We start to move that voice, that judging voice from the front row in our lives to the back row or to the, hopefully to the nosebleed section, right? Because we all have the judge. The question is how loud and how harsh is it? So the first step would be an easiest first step is just to start looking for it. Now, sometimes you can hear that voice, um, especially if you're stressed about something. Some people may not be in their head, but they may feel it in their body. So, you know, sometimes people say, well, trust your gut. It's because the body, you know, keeps the score of these things. Sometimes people feel the stress in their chest um, or somewhere. So if you are um, feeling stress or you just some, you recognize the voice or you just feel some, something uncomfortable in your body, there's some kind of dis-ease happening. A saboteur is probably at play. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And the labeling of it, is it so that it becomes more real and, and you can dismiss it in that way? So, because I'm like laughing, okay, Darth Vader, and they just seem funny to me, these labels. Yes. And, but I think it is exactly what you said to, um, to label it and then, um, just recognizing it for what it is, Mm -hmm. you know, this, like if let's say, let's say I'm preparing for our podcast today, right? And my judge says, I'm feeling nervous about it. I'm feeling stressed about it. Um, It's probably because of some kind of a fear. And so I might have this voice inside that was like, oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're probably going to make some mistakes. You know, you're going to, you're going to mess up. And, and I don't know if everybody's going to be able to connect with you and all of these things. Those are judgments that I'm making. Right. So I might believe that or I might go, oh, there's that pesky judge again who says this is going to happen. I don't know that to be true. Right. This is telling me some lies. We have we even had the podcast. I don't know if people are going to connect with me. Why am I assuming these things? Why am I assuming that I'm going to make mistakes or trip over my words or something like that? Mm -hmm. Um, So by recognizing, oh, there's that judge that's saying that I'll probably be fine. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and it's also, then it separates 
your spirit and your divine light from the judge. And, yes. and you can be like, that's not me. That's something outside of me that's trying to affect me and I'm not going to let it. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Mm. And let your divine light, let your authentic self shine through, mm. not clouded by these heavy weights of all these saboteurs. If I come to this conversation with you today, Krista, besieged with all this stress, I'm going to show up differently, aren't I? And I may not be thinking as clearly. And I may end up tripping over everything and, and not commuting in the way that I would like to because of all that stress. So I love it. Yeah. Let it shine through. What is meant by the sage brain? I've never heard that before. Yeah. So when we talk about saboteurs, um, we talk about a certain part of your brain that you're residing in. Um, the alternative to that is our clear headed space. And so I'm very visual person. So I like to imagine my brain as two distinct parts where if you think about it this way, if you're visual or any of your listeners are visuals, imagine a line going down the middle of your brain from the middle of your forehead all the way to the back of your neck. And on one side of your brain, that's where all those saboteurs reside. And by the way, saboteur is not just the judge. The judge has accomplices. So if you're a person that is a people pleaser, or you feel like you need to control things, or you constantly need to be achieving things, or you like to avoid conversations and setting boundaries and and a number of other things, those are also saboteurs. And they reside in, let's say, one part of the brain. The other part of your brain, well, that's where all the good stuff happens. That's your sage brain. And we call it your sage brain because it's clear. It's lighter. It's more focused. It's the part of your brain where your learning centers reside. And it can handle your challenges that, that come in your life with a more clear and calm mind. And this is where we're motivated by positive emotions rather than negative emotions. And so if we show up in our life in our sage brain, rather than our saboteur space, it's going to, again, ultimately improve the quality of our life. And so in the sage brain, there are a number of different powers that we have. We got good stuff. We don't just have the negative. We've got all these great powers. Some of them are tapped. Some of them are untapped. But let me give you a couple examples and see if, if any of them resonate with you. We have in our sage brain, that beautiful part of our brain, we have the power of empathy, which is an incredible source of strength that many people don't realize and don't tap into. That's the place where we can uh, practice self-empathy. We can give ourselves a break and we can empathize with other people. We can try to see things from their point of view instead of just going head to head where our saboteurs like to be. In our sage brain, that's the part that gets curious. That's our learning center. where We can explore things for our lives. We can explore opportunities and alternatives and, and, and new ways of looking at problems. Um, in our sage brain, we have our internal GPS. That's where our core values are, which is really important because uh, very often people will come to a place where they come to a fork in the road or they have some kind of hugely impactful situation that happens to them in their lives at work, at home, or just in them, and they don't know what to do. 
very often when people come to coaches, by the way, it's because they don't know what to do. They feel stuck. Mm -hmm. And so by tapping into our sage brain and we have lots of little fun exercises we do with this um, to, to strengthen it, but that's, that's your guide so that you don't have to be stuck. You can take the right path for you. Even if you've got something that seems so terrible and, and the most monumental catastrophe can happen, you can wade through that in a positive place. You can show up in a positive place. And that's the power of navigation. And the last one I'll mention, which is my absolute favorite, you have the power to take action. It's the opposite of having the fear. That's where we tap into actually going for it and doing those things that we know will serve us. That's where we take the things off of the to-do list that have been on there for like 30 days in a row that keep moving and we get them done. That's where we have the courage to take action on things without feeling fear or shame or anything else. So these are all examples of things that happen, the good stuff that happens. So is that relating back to positive intelligence that can help you take action on the things that we have difficulty moving forward with? Yes. Yeah. And one of the things we do when um, we show people how to um, incorporate positive intelligence into their life is that we talk a lot about and we show people how do you shift from being in that saboteur, that negative space to being in that positive sage space? Um, And because that's where we really want to show up. And so that's the second core muscle. We want to strengthen that sage muscle. And here's a couple different ways that people can shift. And and they all come back to something called neuroplasticity. So I'll try to keep it really simple. But we know years ago in the 20th century, we used to think, okay, Pete, you are who you are. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. By the time you're 20 or 25, you're hardwired and you are who you are and you can't change that. But modern science has said, wait a second, we were wrong. There is something, the brain can rewire it. It's called neuroplasticity. And so one of the ways that people can rewire their brain and live in that more clear-headed sage space is by making the shift from the negative to the positive. And so there are a couple of things people can do. Now, some people will practice gratitude, for example, and that's a great way to light up those learning centers. Other things that we can do is for, let's say, let's say something doesn't go as planned in your life or something happens that could be seen as a, not a positive thing, right? You're supposed to, your client leaves you, you, um, your child comes home and they just crash the car. Um, you have a big breakup. You don't get the promotion at work. Um, you get some type of a diagnosis that is not something you wanted to get. So any one of a number of millions of things can happen in our lives. And to switch from that negative to the positive, you can just pose this very simple question. And the question is, what are three possible positive outcomes to this seemingly bad situation? What are three possible positive outcomes? Yeah. Now, okay, little disclaimer here, by the way, Um, that judge that we talked about, that judge is going to come out and try to throw darts at that question. And they're going to say, and so you might hear the judge going, well, what a ridiculous question. There's nothing good that could come of this. This is terrible. I can't imagine anything good. That's okay. Expect it. Oh, there's that judge. Ask yourself the question again. What are three possible positive outcomes that could come of this seemingly negative situation? The reality is it's not so much of what you come up with, although you might come up with some great things that you never thought about, but it's just what you're doing by actually Asking yourself that question 
is you're making that switch. Your brain is switching. It can't address that in the saboteur brain. It's got to move to the better part of your brain, the part that that will help you and, and make you feel better. Can you also apply this to relationships? Absolutely. There's a lot of data that shows that people who um, live in their sage brain and exercise their sage brain have better relationships. There are better marriages, um, better health. They live longer. There's, uh, there are research and, and studies on that as well. Um, and they um, have better work situations as well. So relationships at work and um uh, family relationships and um, love interest relationships. It applies to everything, you know? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. We, yeah. And there are a lot of little exercises people can do to strengthen different parts, like strengthen your empathy muscle and um, your ability to explore and get curious. And, um, and I know I've, I've brought this into my marriage and it's just it's really, really made an incredible shift, incredible differences. Um, and, and with the folks that I work with, even if they came to me for business, it has an effect on they get a bonus. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. You help it's, them with their whole life. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's like the whole person, the whole person. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell me what you're up to. What's next for you. I know you're on clubhouse. Do you want to talk about your rooms on clubhouse and how you're helping people? I have a club actually. It's called Your Big Dream Life. My business is called Big Dream Executive Coaching and it's Your Big Dream Life. Um, and I, I love big dream. I'm anything about big dream because about five years ago, five, six years ago now, um, I changed everything, almost everything I should say. I kept the same husband, <laughs> still have the children, but um, changed where I live, changed where I was spending my time work-wise, um, changed how much stuff I have changed my health, changed everything. And I sat down and, and just free flowed, put down my dream life and then made it happen. So I'm all about that. So um, in that club, we host rooms that have ever, anything from journaling to get those ahas and move forward to um, sometimes we have welcome to the mental fitness gym. So we talk about oh, these positive intelligence great. pieces. And, and hear from people. Um, these days, I'm hosting a lot of sales rooms, not just in my club, but in, in other folks' clubs as well. So um, I host a lot of club sales for people who hate sales. Mm, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. And um, I feel like yeah. I've learned so much from you. It's been such a pleasure going deeper into positive intelligence and how we can use positive intelligence to move forward with our lives. If the audience wants to learn more uh, and start taking advantage of these tools, you know, they can come to you, right? I can share your website and social media links in the show notes. You can help them, right? Yes, absolutely. And one of the things we can do really quickly for people is give them a quick assessment. It takes five minutes or less, and it will show people how well they're currently performing relative to their potential. And we have our saboteur assessment. It's like a two minute thing. And it will show you immediately what saboteurs are showing up in your life, which is really powerful. Just knowing that can make a huge impact in their lives. Now, we do run a six week mental fitness. I'm going to call it a boot camp, but it's not mm-hmm. that that feels stressful. It's fun. It's really fun <laughs> where we take a deep dive into all of these things. And we have a weekly um, training uh, for an hour and everybody gets this really cool app that gives them daily practices um, and different things that can sort of 
challenge our mindset in a positive way so that we live with more ease and flow. Um, that's our positive intelligence. But yeah, people can can reach me either from my website, Big Dream Executive Coaching. I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll, uh, and I'll and share it, all that in the show notes <laughs> so that, that no one has to write it down frantically right now. <laughs> But it's pretty easy to remember. So I so appreciate you joining me today. And I look forward to hearing more from you. You're doing great things and helping to change the world. Thanks for being here on my show, Barbara. Thank you, Carissa. It was my pleasure. I appreciate you. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. One lucky listener who submits a review will win a chance in the grand prize drawing for a priceless VIP experience and gifts with Carissa herself. Be sure to head on over to zensuccesspodcast.com and pick up a copy of Carissa's free gift to help you on your Zen success journey and join us on the next episode. Share with friends and increase your chances to win.